Welcome back to episode three of the podcast. Tonight we're joined by the great Doug Hewitt. Doug, thanks for coming on, mate. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an honour to have you on, Doug. We've been chasing this interview for a while, so we're glad you can find the time to finish in. Yeah, we've been pretty busy, boys, but uh, <laughs> any times. We started with some low-hanging fruit last week with Turnbull, and hopefully we can go a bit better this week. <laughs> Uh, Doug, talk us through early Doug Hewitt. Where were you born? Where were you raised? Always from Bathurst? No, nah, I was actually born down in Crookle, down near Goulburn. Um, all our families from down that way, all the Hewitts. Um, it wasn't long when we got to about year three in school and Burn and Kath decided that we needed to move a bit closer to the action for harness racing, so we all packed up and come up to Bathurst. So it would have been around 2000 that we made the move up here. Yeah, right. Um, obviously, harness racing is going to be a big subject tonight, so you, from a young age, are involved? Yeah. Our whole family's been in harness racing the whole way through. Um, Burn, when he was a kid, done a lot of shearing as well, um, a lot of farm work, and then their granddad always had trotters there. So it was always something that the boys were going to take up, and all three of them did, and their sister, Jen, her... Um, partner Grant and they're more into the sheep side of things but then again their sons come back into harness racing as well so the whole family's been involved and um, it was always going to be our thing from a young age us kids were always around the horses um, I was more footy related growing up I never really wanted to do the horses but always knew I had horses there to fall back onto them. So when did you start with footy? Uh, young age in Crookle they didn't have many teams so it was I think every second year I was would have been playing when I was about a six-year-old playing with under eights or whatever they had back then but um yeah it was when we moved to Bathurst in 2000 and actually it was Mick Syke and the Syke boys approached me or approached Burn and said did your son play footy and from then I just always loved the sport and that's when I met them boys and got involved. Now were you always in a good side at Crookville too? <laughs> I don't remember Crookville too well footy-wise. Um, they've always been strong down there, but uh, definitely wasn't what we had when it comes to the Panthers. Because <laughs> that, that's one thing that just grinds my gears. There was the, the famous Panthers side, and then my brother, your side, Bill, you guys were pretty much untouchable too, and my team was terrible. <laughs> yeah, we weren't quite as good as Doug, I don't think. I think we lost about four games from... Under tens to under fifteens. I don't think Doug lost any. So, talk us through it, Doug. You, from a from when you started with Panthers, you guys were always very successful. Yeah, through the juniors, the eights and nines. Back then, there wasn't so much competitiveness. But then, when you start getting the tens and the grand finals start coming involved, I think we went the full year, the whole way through under tens, and we lost the grand final to Orange Sims. And then from then right through to sixteens, we didn't lose a single game, whether it be comp, knockout or finals footy. So we had a pretty good run there. And then <laughs> a, lot of, nice, <laughs> a lot of us stuck around through the 18s. And I think we might have lost one or two 18s comp games, but um, we won both of those. Am, am I right out. in saying there was about five or six country players from the one team, not just not just group 10 Rams players? Yeah, yeah, there was at that stage. I think it was all based on the success that we had at club level. We yeah. um, carried that into a lot of rep teams, whether it be Greater Western, then we took that to Western Rams, then we took that to country. How um, many in the group side did you have? I think we had... 13. No, uh, uh, we we had, had, what did you have? 14 years, didn't you? 
Uh, I think we had that. I reckon Doug would add 13. I think we had 13 in the team, and I think 10 of them were starting. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty strong side. It was, it was did did Andrew fun. Mendes get sent off in a grand final once? Do yeah. I remember that right? Yeah, yeah, I think he did, actually. He scored about a 100-metre try, and he was running back, giving him the bird. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that, too. Yeah. Where was that? I think that might have been at Lithgow. That was against... Um, I think it was Bloomfield back those days. It was him and another bloke had a running rivalry. And then <laughs> just run the length, which he usually did. But this this day, he ended up pulling up about 15 metres out and turned around and run the last 15 with the finger out. And <laughs> the ref just allowed that to try and said, Garvin Earl is your champion. <laughs> so so who from the team went on to play rap footy in the, in the countryside? Uh, there's a lot of us at the stage all made country rep. And done a lot of that sort of stuff. You had Blake Seeger that went down to Canberra Raiders and West Tigers. Jack Psycho went up to Roosters and still was killing it down there for years to come. Um, had Mendes and all that that played a lot of rep footy that just sort of didn't take it on too much more after that. They, when all the 18s and stuff finished and all the boys went their different ways, it yep. sort of broke up. A couple of us kept the game going for a bit longer, but um, yeah, most of the boys went back to their jobs and. Other emotion there. Other things in life. Mm, for sure. What about your team, Bill, who kicked on yourself, obviously? Yeah, that was probably about it, if I'm honest. All the boys sort of stopped yeah. playing. After about under 16s, I don't really know what happened. As far as they found beer, I guess. <laughs> and what <laughs> <women>. happened? <laughs> yeah. So there's what, probably Jackson's the only one still playing, is it? I reckon Jackson's the only one still playing. Yeah. Them so. kicking goes. Yep. Uh, Doug, so with the harness side, that was just put to bed completely while you were playing footy, or you're still always made to work on the farm, still still driving? No, I still always done it every morning before school, just about we're up doing stables and doing whatever we could before we got on the school bus. Um, for us as kids, a lot of kids wanted to have sickies and stay home from school, but if we stayed home, we had to do horsework, so <laughs> it was sort of double-edged sword, but what way you wanted to do on the day, but... Um, no, always involved. 16, got me licence and was punching around with all the rest of them. Um, was never that good. My brother, Jace, was always pretty handy at it, so it sort of made me more yeah. concentrate on footy than the driving side of things. But the best thing about home racing, it's always there. So any stage in life, you can go back to it. And, yeah, that's sort of the way I based it on. Yep. With footy-wise, you said you got up to 18, still around here in Bathurst, and then uh, we signed... Panthers then? Oh, yeah, I made the AIS side and then we went overseas and I was with Bulldogs at 16 and I moved down there to see if I wanted to finish school down there. Had a bit of a knee injury and then moved home and then sort of just finished me two years of 18s then here in the country and then when I went overseas I got picked up from Penrith on the way back so went down there for a year and couldn't crack 20s. I was just sort of um, all with the Windsor Wolves at that year, trying yep. to make 20s, and then sort of ended up packing, getting an opportunity over Bulldogs to go back, so I went over there. And then were you, were you always in the halves? Because I was telling Billy about this, I went down and watched him play a trial and just played each other, and you hopped out, I hopped out of the car to say, and senior, and you were about 100 kilos, you were giant. <laughs> he was on the milkshakes, you reckon, so I, I think that might have been something were, else. Were you play. playing lock then, were you, or you were still in the halves? Always halves. No, he was in the halves, I remember him running out, I thought, <laughs> oh, what's Doug moved to lock? And there was uh, one other giant on the field. Sean Lane, that was. I just remember he just ran 
straight over the top of me. <laughs> and your dad took us for a, um, a nice Thai meal after, and you didn't have your best game. Yeah. And he just sit there and he goes, fuck me, Sydney, eh? And then he started eating. <laughs> That's one way to put a bad game. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's quite true, right? Yeah. So yeah, doggies didn't you didn't get a run there, didn't get a crack in the twenties. Had two games in the twenties there and probably didn't live up to expectations. It was yep. very under par, <laughs> to be honest. Um it, it's always tough that time of year. Like I was living over in Canola with some close mates and you so, you had a point where footy's important, you wanna have a crack at it, but you're also pretty young and yeah, enjoying yourself, <laughs> and we're, we're doing plenty of that. So it, it was hard, very hard to sort of try and more basic around footy, but um, I was loving life at that stage, and then end up getting the call to go back to Penrith halfway through your second year twenties. Yep, and they had a couple of injuries and an opportunity arose, so. and that, that started a bit of a magical run. It did. That's a hell of a story. This one, like that, speaks about the highs and the lows of footy. Like, yeah, the run you went on that year just. It, it was actually surreal, really. You're sitting back and you're struggling to get a crack at a new club, and sort of you left your mates at Penrith, which you built a bond over a year, went to a new club, and you're sort of down. Then you get the call to go back because one of the boys got injured and another bloke's down. And so, end up taking it with both hands. I went back there, and our first game was actually New Zealand over in New Zealand. And Jesus, that's a, speaking of big boy, <laughs> that's that's stepping straight into the deep end. That was, but um, no, it was unreal. That end up, oh, I don't know, getting run over about three times, but end up <laughs> making two try saves, and no one remembered the times I got run yeah. over, and they just <laughs> which I was glad. But as Billy can account for, they're big boys, and they don't stop coming at me. So. Yeah, so. You- you said there at the dogs, um, you were enjoying a lot of off-field activities. <laughs> <laughs> when you went back to Penrith and you were successful, did, was that from a, a bigger effort or was that just coincidence? You were still a bit carefree off the field or did you have a really good crack thinking this is your last chance? Pretty much that. I was like, when you weren't getting a crack at the team, you sort of drop all your confidence mm. and everything starts playing in the back of your mind and you think, oh, fuck it, I'll, just, I'll go have a beer with the boys instead of... Going and doing the extras and doing all that sort of stuff and then sort of getting thrown that lifeline you think well if they're willing to take the risk you better go that extra mile so I did take it a lot more serious once we got there and don't get me wrong there still was some <laughs> good times had there probably not as good out at Penrith as it would be on Cronulla though, no <laughs> yeah she's a long way from good pokies at there <laughs> yeah I saw a fair few of the boys pokies <laughs> but no uh, took it pretty serious once I got back there and like you said, it was just a dream run. We just started winning games and then got closer to the finals and Gus Gould made the call saying anyone that can play 20s is going to play 20s when I have a real crack at taking it out. So yep. I sort of dropped my head again thinking, <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was all right. No worries, boys, enjoy it. <laughs> Back to the walls. Yeah, it was, and then again, that was like, you talk about how our team was stacked here at Bathurst and... We had James Roberts come back and had Jesus. the likes of Bryce Cartwright and then Kieran Mose and Aiden uh, Hooker and all these other blokes, George Jennings, yep. right across the field. Regan Kennedy, you know, they were stacked. So <laughs> when they said that everyone was coming back, I think I told a couple of the boys at work, I said, if you can bet on the 20s boys going close to winning this premiership, I'd get on now. Yeah. So, 
So they were all playing higher, like New South Wales Cup or... Yeah, yeah all playing Cup. You had Jimmy playing NRL. Um, so all the boys were spread out sort of thing and then everyone come back to one yep. at 20 strain, so... Is, is that daunting? You've come from sort of a Bathurst team where you've been, I'd say, big fish in a small pond out in Group 10, lapping blokes for years, and then you're throwing it like you're in that team, directing them around? Oh, 100%. 100%. It's always the same. But that was the thing going from Panthers across to Bulldogs, coming back. Like you've got your tail between your legs and you've got to make your spot yours again. So, But it, very daunting, especially those blokes coming back that have played NRL or yeah. played... New South Wales Cup about to play in NRL, so you you've got, you got to give them a spray if they're not in their right spot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, Jeez. I think I was copping more than. So you won, and uh, was it? I vaguely remember the grand final was a hell of a game. Too, oh, wasn't I, it? I remember it like it was yesterday. Well, obviously, don't remember it better. <laughs> Maybe not but after it. But I just remember. I just remember Penrith coming out, going bang, 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 and these are up by about twenty points or something. And then the Warriors just said, let's rock and roll. Going into half-time, I think we were up 26-4 to four or something. And hey, that's not always a good thing in a grand final. Nah, nah. <laughs> <laughs> got some stories. <laughs> David? Mm. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and going into half-time, everyone's coming off the field, high-five and chow-hooing and thinking, how good is this? Going to pay yeah. me out. I know, yeah. And then, yeah, coming out of half-time, the Warriors boys had come out and said, oh, no, let's party. And I think they put two on us straight away. And Warriors 20s, compared to any other team, once they get a roll, it's yeah. just ridiculous. And they were stacked too. They had a hell of a team. Uh, oh, I reckon about oh, nine, nine or ten of them yeah, would have gone who, who things be in the like national. Oh, Jesus. Well, that was, I just remember that Ray Fatala Marinos at the Bulldogs now, he was your opposite back rower. Yeah. He was the hardest man to tackle in under twenties ever. I saw him I saw his old fullback snipe and he's coming at me about forty times that day. I was glad they used him as a front runner and hit out the back. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they were stacked and had an unreal team, but um I think it come down to one play there off the back of the scrum and we picked it up and gone short side. And the lock picks it up, and I drift out straight to me. And I had James Roberts on the outside, and then Wingers just jammed straight in on me. And I wore it pretty well, <laughs> but all I did was tip off to Jimmy, and he was away. And I think that put us up to, I think they got back to twenty to twenty six or something. And then yeah. put two more tries on them to finish the game. So end up winning in the end by two or three tries, which made it pretty comfortable. But. It was very daunting there for a while. They yeah. were coming at us pretty hard and fast. What do you get for winning? You get a ring in the NRL. Did you get a medallion or anything? Medallion. Yeah. Medallion. It's not hanging up in the man cave. So. No, it's not <laughs> here. I think it's out at the farm. I was, I was actually lucky to make it home after the, the couple you know, of months. I was going to say, you said, what do you get? A hell of a party for the <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It was a fair party, all right. We went back to the club and they sort of put us all downstairs or we had our party upstairs for a while and then they threw us downstairs and it was you know free rain go for as long as we want <laughs> we were all stupid enough at the time there was three or four of us in the house there and had some good mates there and we host we said we'll start Mad Monday worst thing you could put <laughs> so we were all just going straight through the night straight back there and the neighbours loved us after that and we sort of kicked on Straight to the pubs after that, thank God. 
So the next year, still at Penrith, or what? Where did things go there? Uh, actually, that was another thing. It sort of dropped off a bit after that. There wasn't much contact, and a couple of players were contacted early, like the high-ranked players. They all had their contracts sorted. Yeah. A lot of us were still fighting for our spots, and I was sort of just back to work as normal. Thinking I'd just go back out to Windsor and try and work my way back through the New South Wales Cup. And um, actually got a call to say there's a training trial. Oh, we were looking overseas. More, no more reason than I just wanted to go travel a bit and play a bit of footy over England or France or yeah, yep. while I was young and could still do it. And then got the phone call to say there's a train trial up in Townsville if I want to go up there. So I just thought it'd be an unreal opportunity to go train under JT and all them sort of boys. Oh. So that was at, with the NRL side, the training trial? Yeah, the first grade training trial. That's all it pretty much was, was go up there and see how you went for the pre-season. Um, it actually come that late. I got told on the Wednesday and training started that next Monday. So I packed up the car and I drove 12 hours to Gold Coast, 12 hours the next day to Mackay, Jeez. and then four hours the day <laughs> after that to Townsville and I got there on a Sunday. And straight into training on Monday. Woke up Monday morning, first day of pre-season. Oh, Jesus. And, and you said it come late, so you wouldn't have been... Well, you're always fit, but you wouldn't have been doing anything. <laughs> there wasn't too many extras being done at the time. And then going straight into the humid yeah. climate up there was just... It was crazy. It took you... I remember after the first session coming home, just having a cold shower and just sitting there for half an hour. I felt crook, dizzy. Well, like, in all honesty, like, I remember from playing there, like, you couldn't prepare for that anyway. Like the, the hum- humidity and that that's up there. Like no matter what you did, yeah, your body'd still be in. They got heat chambers these days. That a lot of boys from down south when they first go up there get put into train for a yeah. week or two weeks just to try and help them ease them into it. Yeah. But yeah, she was just straight into it when I went there. And it did nothing around a bit. But yeah, I, I had boxed in cans once and it was similar. Like you just the humidity up. Like, you couldn't breathe like it was just so hot it is ridiculous and that it's exactly the same when you do like uh flights to sydney or whatever as soon as you get back and the plane door goes down just waxing the face every time you get there so yeah when you're training there and at that stage it's middle of summer or start of summer and yeah like some days there's always or most of early mornings but um yeah some sessions are in the middle of the day or Far out. Yeah, it was some brutal sessions. Did you did you get used to it at all? Like yeah. by the end of it? Yeah, I've always been pretty lucky that way. That my training hasn't been too bad to do at all. Yeah. But um, yeah, it took me probably a good three or four weeks. Like it, the first couple of weeks, just struggling after every session. I was housestaying with a beautiful couple that took me in, and they were absolute legends. And they had a nice pool there, and had the aircon yep. on, and Every day I come home, I'd be in that pool and just laying in the aircon for a good forty-five minutes till my cork can come back down again. But it's it's nothing out of the ordinary up there. Like I could lose two kilos in the training session, That's two to three kilos of training session, and then you got to have it back on you before you go back to training the next, the next day. Uh, yeah. Are blokes just dropping in the sessions, or everyone's used to it? No, everyone's pretty well used to it. Everyone's got to make the cut. Um, as you know, they've all got the trackers and everyone's doing a certain amount of kilometres and 
Yeah, it's, it's all well recorded up there, so they do monitor it pretty well. But not like the famous Melbourne golf course day. What happened there? Jeez, that's still. Nah, we'll just <coughs> used to go to this joint. It was this golf course, and they just make you just run laps of it, and it was like three kilometres every lap. So I've just gone there just to. He said he set the fastest pace ever on the course. Is what you reckon? <laughs> Yeah, well, I was... <laughs> for the first two, and then I was uh, yielding ground, something shocking after about the first kilometre, and I don't know what happened. I just started seeing stars and face planted onto the onto the ground. <laughs> woke up, woke up in hospital. Is it? I uh, woke up in the back of a car with a with a wet paint, uh, wet towel <laughs> over my head. What the fuck? Where am I? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. You just threw yourself down to get out of it. <laughs> uh, got me. Uh, so that team, um, you stretched in the memory a bit, but you got you said Durston, obviously, probably Matty Bowen was there. Matty, Matty had just finished up. So yeah, it was Lock and Coot would have been there. Yeah, Cootie had just come up. He was one of the, the blokes I knew from Penrith at the time. He made the transition at the same time. Yeah, so he made or made it a little bit easier. He was around the corner, so we'd done a bit of carpooling. And, Helped me sort of break into it a fair bit up there, and him being an NRL player, knowing the boys from Versum and playing with them and rep teams, sort of introduced you and helped you. Because it is always daunting going to a new team, and especially going into an NRL team. And so like far that. away from home too, like to pack everything up and then... Well, that's it. I only had the car and what was in the car, so there's sort of it's a long way to get back if you're going to come. And, um, uh, Cootie helped us out, but the team was like Scotty Bowen, Jason Tamalolo, Matt Jesus. Scott. It was a nice team at the time. <laughs> so that would have been, been, was that the year they won the comp? Or? The year before. The year before. The year before they won it the year after. Yeah, so, right, so they took out the Auckland Nines that year, yeah. the first one of those. So it was a nice team to be a part of and train with, but as it was, it was a train trial, and my feeder club at the time was Mackay, so I'd done the full pre-season played uh, trial match versus Broncos yep. and then um, yeah not long after that it was sort of back to Mackay and then waiting on a new opportunity to get back up there so, so were all the big dogs playing that trial too? most of them like these Thurston's and that sat that one out but yeah had like all the other boys that were sort of new up there like Cootie and all them were in that team and it was a good trial to be a part of like yeah, yeah a lot of big names and I, I, I remember Paul Green on Fox Sports got interviewed and he was asked about Doug Kewitt going into that trial and I remember him giving you a rap of how far you'd come in that pre-season. Um, that must have been pretty cool to like get that experience. Oh, definitely. Um, I went up there, I was never the most talented player by any means. I'd, I wasn't a touch footy player that could throw the spirals and sort of create something out of nothing. I was more that sort of solid half that would just direct around and make me tackles. And Tenacious just... little bastard. Yeah. That's what I remember. Oh, I hated getting, <laughs> getting beat. I was always competitive. I mean, family could probably <laughs> add to that the whole way growing up. But do you reckon your upbringing helped, like, do you reckon your upbringing helped you with that? Like, obviously, I've worked out there with you and you aren't afraid of hard work, so. No, oh, definitely. And that's always the way we were raised, like, as kids before school, we yeah. had to do horsework and do work and then get home from school, you're doing work and it's born into us and then every one of us in that family is competitive. Yeah. And when you look at 
the Hewitt side of the family, there's 15 grandkids and 12 of them are all blokes. <laughs> so Christmas time, that was a big game <laughs> big for footy. And I know who I wouldn't be running at. Who's that? Blake. <laughs> big, oh, oh big I told Blake. you. <laughs> big Blake. We, we played is like, we're skipping forward a bit here, but he's had a massive forward pack. And I was in the knockout. I said, oh, sweet, there's a little hooker. I'm running straight at him. <laughs> he picked me up and put my head through the ground. <laughs> I've never been hit so hard in my life. Yeah, I was actually at that. I remember I was home, went and watched that, and I thought it was the greatest thing I've ever oh, seen. <laughs> I've got a big white jumper Sellers on. Sellers upside down. I look like I'm about 115 kilos. Well, you probably were. Smash. We're talking about that. you got big Joey Picker who played a lot of NRL games for Raiders and a couple for Rabbitohs. And yeah. All them boys in the family. None of us would run a Blake out. No wonder you're a halfback. That's why you just fart. He's, he's a ringing Blake. He's actually a second cousin, but we've always taken him and Roscoe in as first cousins. But um, yeah, no, nah, everyone's ready to steer well clear of Blake. Yeah. So yeah, going back to it, that probably was where my competitive always come from. You know, we always had the old boy or the old cousins versus the young cousins. So they used to give us an absolute flog. <laughs> but we weren't allowed to show them that we were hurt or anything like that. Yeah. She's always full steam ahead. So. I think that's where a lot of it come from, especially going up to a comp like that. Yeah. Up there and I was a little bit standoffish at the start, but the thing that impressed Granny the most was probably my hard work and training and yeah. like at the time you done all your PBs and the gyms and stuff like that and that was the strongest I'd ever been, the leanest I'd ever been and probably the quickest as well. Yeah. So it wasn't the training side, I think it was just Pretty much it all come down to your lack of skill. Right. And I knew that from the get-go. My hard work got me to where it did, but you do need a bit of skill and that in the background to help you out. So I got as far as I, well, further than what I ever thought I would. But um, I knew I was going to take a fair bit more to get to that yeah. next step to actually NRL. So I was happy with where I got to, but I knew that it probably just wasn't going to be for me to make it that sure. next step. And you had a bit of bad luck as well, like Talk to us about when you left Mackay and you you were going to get an opportunity down at the Titans to play a trial potentially. That was the thing, yeah. Going down there with the possibility of with Tweed with the Titans trial and um, it was pretty much our last training session. We'd done full pre-season, same thing. Training never scared me too much. I was always pretty naturally fit, I suppose. And yeah, the last session just done the knee and the simple training exercise and a bit of a pose footy, and I had to have a full knee recode done the. ACL, MCL and meniscus all at once so that put a pretty big damper on everything yeah. and then moving to the Gold Coast in the first place it's, it's not a place that you want to be off the field <laughs> you need to have a lot of things to do in front of you otherwise you can get sidetracked pretty quick and that's not easy like a lot of people wouldn't understand but like you were going down to Tweed Heads sort of essentially training part time you do your ACL like you're fucked for work and everything for it for a while like that, like that's a hard thing to overcome. Definitely, um, it's as you'd know better than anyone. It, the mental game in rugby league is ridiculous. The, that's where all that living comes from, and yeah, you yeah. see blokes that do get these injuries, and they think that that's the end of their life. Like mm. that, a lot of these boys live and breathe footy. That's all they're there for, and it, it does play in the head real bad when you get to those situations. If you're not surrounded by a good support group. It's easily, it's easy to fall back into yeah, a yeah. real dark spot. So, and um, there's there's probably more education in that with that now. But 
do you think they're doing enough with the, the clubs? And oh. I know it's a big thing to, to say, but I don't know, man. I think like I think they can put all the things in place, but well, that's it. Yeah, I suppose at the when end you're of the in day, a dark spot, it's got to come down to anyone, it's right? got to come down to the individual at the end yeah. of the day, like. But as long as you put yourself around good people and there's good people in your life, I think you'll be all right. Exactly. And that, I think that's where I was actually pretty lucky. If it happened at Mackay or Townsville, like you're a long way from everything yeah. and family and everything like that. But I had family on the Gold Coast and I had a lot of good mates on the Gold Coast, which I made straight away. So having them support you um, sort of helped it, helped me out a little bit. Yep. Um, still... A shit feeling you busted yourself. I remember him saying, "Stick around the club." And I went to two training sessions after I had the operation. I think going down there just to show a bit of support and do a bit in the gym and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And the first session, I was thinking, "Geez, that was shit." Like, I just yeah. didn't want to be there at all. And then the second session, they went out onto the field and just sitting and watching them jog around, passing the footy, and thinking they should be out there. And straight away, I just said, "No, sorry, boys." And I think I watched probably one or two games that season. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, went straight back into the work after that. I was concreting at the time, so straight back into a solid job. And um, yeah, probably got sidetracked too much, <laughs> trying to take my mind off, the, I suppose, the footy bit, but just enjoying life on yeah. the Gold Coast as well. So I was a long way from where I needed to be, and I knew that too. And did you stick around for another year at Goldie, or did you come back? Or Yeah, had one more year there. Um, I was there for three or four years in the end, the year that I got there, the full pre-season, so yeah. then the year off, and then played the next season, come back, was playing A-grade there and yeah. trying to work my way back up, and as you go, I did get me cracked back in the Q Cup again, yeah. so I started playing there again, and you're just so far off the pace, it's trying to get confidence back in that leg that you had, trying to get your mind over the matter, yeah. and then from there, and then probably subconsciously too, you, you know, you've had a year off, you haven't been doing the best things with your body. Yeah, your speed's not there. <coughs> yeah. yeah. You're going into tackles where you used to want to tear heads and you're just hoping yep. that you come out the other side all right. Yeah, not injured. I, um, like I reckon the hardest part about that is for someone like you in that time, you've got people dropping back from the Titans and you probably, like, you might get a crack for one week and you don't know if you're going to be in there or not and coming back from an ACL... It's hard to get any rhythm happening. Like, yeah, like you sort of need three or four games to get momentum and start feeling good about yourself and then, but it's just so hard when you got people dropping back. Yeah, not having the same players around you yeah, as well. It's, fucking... it's it is a very hard game and it comes in all formats of yeah. all different sports, but the blokes above you that aren't getting their, their shot, they've got to come back to your team and the coach is above the same, well I want him to play here so that mm. your coach has no saying yeah. no so if they wanted to play half or wherever I was at the time. I was that even was. playing fullback and then yeah. at that stage just taking my shots wherever I could get them. And yeah, some days you'd, you could have got me in the match the week before and you play an A grade the week after. And as you said, it's all about just trying to get that yeah. consistency going and yeah. you just can't do that when you've got players dropping back in front of you. Sure. Um, so you finished up the Goldie and then what was your thoughts then? Were you, like, you come back to work? in the stables, were you always going to come back and do that or? Well, I had Jen, my sister and her partner out there at the time and they were helping the farm and they were sort of helping Bern and Kath run it pretty well and when they went out on their own and this was at the exact same time that I'd had that year 
trying to get over my knee and trying to get back to where I was. And I just knew that I wasn't going to be a full-time Q Cup player. I was always going to be that bloke getting dropped or picked yeah. up whenever they needed me. And I decided that it was probably my turn to come back as Jem left because Kath and Burn were out there and they've got a big operation out there that they need a fair bit of help with. So I decided it was probably my turn to help them out because they'd helped me out the whole way through my life and career with footy and it's not all cheap. So as a yeah. kid growing up, they were paying for everything. And so I moved home with them to give them a helping hand out on the farm and help take over out there. So, and doing that, I haven't really looked back since. Yeah. Was there any um, trepidation in driving or you just thought when you were back just straight into driving was a logical thing? Yeah. Sort of was going back for holidays the whole time I was away. I was away for about seven years in total. So every now and then you get back there and jump straight back in the gig and you love it while you're there, but that didn't faze me too much. And then when I first come back, I was sort of straight back into it again. Um, they make you go back through all the whole process. Got to go through the trials again and do it all again, which is understandable. So I ended up getting all that back happening again and sort of started off and... I was a long way from where I needed to be as a driver. Did you have any fears? You talked injuries footy-wise, but obviously race driving is dangerous and it's probably, what, 24 hours last night? You had a fall last night. So were you scared? Well, not scared, but did you worry about that at all? Not really, I don't think. It's sort of... And are you all right from last <laughs> night? <laughs> yeah, all good from last night. Um, no, it's, I suppose we've been doing it since we were kids. Um, I don't know how young exactly it would have been, but we would have been sitting on, um, I was sitting on Burns lap when I was about five, and Scott and Cousin were sitting on Dave's lap when he was about six, so we've, we've always been in the gig. There's photos of my brother sitting in the gig, driving a horse by himself, just walking along, but yeah. um, he, he would have been probably about two or three at the time. Yeah, the so it's just second nature. We've grown up walking around horses in yeah. and under their feet, cleaning out stables. Um, it's always something that's always been there for us so getting back to it well I picked it up three hours straight away again and it was just sort of helping Burn get his operation back to where it needed to be at that time yeah um your first race win can you remember it it happened when I was 16 Still yeah like it was real early back when I was 16 just starting out you thought how easy is this this is where <laughs> I don't know why everyone practiced so <laughs> And actually, Kath and Berman went away over to America and Jace was left in charge out at the farm. And at the time, there was a couple in this race and not that I was set up, but Jace goes, if I hold the toppy, I was on his back. And yep. sort of Jace was actually usually driving the other horse and I usually drove the one that was going to be leading, but Jace wanted me shot in front and I ended up coming off his back and... I think Jace actually saluted for me over there. <laughs> we were all that pumped. And Catherine Boom were over in Las Vegas at the time. And it would have been about four o'clock in the morning. So they were pretty full at the time as well. <laughs> bringing up. So it was a good thrill that was. And I think I enjoyed probably the first one back when I moved back from footy and just knowing that it, it is there. And yeah. if I knuckle down, I can make a go of this game as well. Did that take a while to get? Uh, took a, not that long. Yep. Only, Oh, probably would have been a handful of drives or 10 or so drives when I first come back. Um, then I, was, I actually got a few pretty quick. I still had McLean at the time, which helped. So you're getting better graded horses back down into the lower class races. But um, 
once I dropped my claim, she was pretty yeah, tough. Yeah, there was few and far between <laughs> the wounds, that's for sure. And um, well, you go. you go. I was just going to say, like, the run you're, you've had sort of the last year to six months, like, when you first come back and started working for Burning Cath, did you ever think that you'd, you'd be where you are now? No, definitely not. It was, I was always sort of, like I said, I was a black sheep of the family. Yeah. The trucking game wasn't for me. And then when I moved back, I thought, well, I'd make a go of it, especially as a trainer. I'd just do my bit out of the farm and hopefully Burn keeps having the success that he was. He was winning premierships and yeah. he's always in the top 10 in the state trainer-wise and it was just all about trying to keep that going at the time and Burn still driving as many winners as what he was. It was never really up to me. I was just going to take one or two here and there when I could get them. Yeah. Um, and then as we kept going, I started picking a, a couple of outside drives up and then probably over the last year, I been getting a lot more for different stables and as you know yourself with anything it's consistency yeah. different fields so the more drives you have the better you're going to get and lately it's just sort of been picking up more and more drives from everywhere so and you were juggling footy as well as back into the horses straight away or you had a few years off since you took up the gig at panthers well i sort of gave footy away when i was moving home yep when I'd had that last year and sort so of... So you were, but you were burning out from... Pretty much. You've done it your whole life besides me year off with a knee injury. Yeah. And it just wasn't in my mind at all to be doing it. And then sort of when I got home, a couple of the boys said I'd oh, be coming back to Panthers. And I said, oh, I don't know. And within about a week of me moving home, I had about 12 different phone calls from <laughs> clubs in different groups everywhere saying, here, you're back playing footy. I said, no, I'm actually not. I'm just back to help out in the farm. And then as it got close, I went in and just had a couple of games with Bathurst Panthers and just found the love for it again. There was no competing against your best mate for a position. Yeah. No one breathing down your neck. Mm. Not always on a, everyone staring at you, waiting for you to fuck up. And mm. Yeah. So I could tear shreds off you. It was just all about enjoying the game again. And I think that first year back was probably the best footy I'd played in years. What year was that? It would have been Toddy Barrow. We only made it to the finals and we got knocked out. 16. Was it? Been out of oh, wrong, mate. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so it was actually the funnest and the, the year I enjoyed footy the most. It was yep. no pressure at all. Back playing with the mates and training twice a week and I trained four times yeah. a week and doing your recovery sessions after you've had 30 experience <laughs> and like that. <laughs> so, was it a logical progression to coach or that was... Uh, yeah, it's the club it was that they sort of had me earmarked to take over the captain coach down the track probably yeah. three or four years after I'd come back. But it sort of came suddenly when Toddy Burrow got injured and they asked me if I wanted to do it and I sort of wasn't too sure. I'd never done too much of the coaching stuff. Like I'd worked with the CRL out in the country and done all the coaching clinics and courses yeah. like that. but. It's all different, especially taking over a team where all your mates that you drink and everything on a weekend with, yep. you've then got to go in there and be half serious yeah, and yeah. try and tell them what to do. But I was very lucky. The team that I had didn't take much coach and you had the likes of Jack Syker and Brent Seeger and when those blokes speak, everyone listens. And then you had everyone was set in our team. So it didn't take much coaching at all. It was just all the behind-the-scenes stuff and setting up drills and doing stuff for training yeah. like that but um yeah since we took over i've just had another dream run <laughs> <laughs> um 
uh, probably one of the most memorable grand finals in the last few years would be the twelve ten game. What do you remember from that, Kara? I actually hurt my knee. Um, the semis going into that, that was against Orange Sims. I come off with, I think it's still first half, end yeah. of the first half, and tried to go back out the second half, and I was in the world of hurt. And the boys ended up getting it done that game, and then we played. I don't know who it was to get into the final. And then Burst and Cara was very touch and go whether I was even going to play. Yeah, you were no chance to play. Like, don't believe the Central Western Daily, but yeah. everything you heard, you were nearly no chance of playing. Were you always confident or it was that bad? No, uh, my mind was playing a lot more okay. games on me than anything. Yeah, um, Same knee as your ACL? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you can imagine what was going through my head. Um, being the grand final, you're going to give yourself every chance, so you're always going to be a lot more leaning towards I'm going to play than I yep. wasn't. But in saying that, you don't want to be a passenger out in the field as well. So when we got there and that week leading up to it, I was strapping it and trying to do everything for it. and It actually didn't feel too bad. I saw the physio and he said, you're not going to do too much more damage. It's, you know, it's just what you can play through. Yep. And given that, I was out there and everyone else done their job it was one of the hardest games it was a massive head breeze that will burst them in the first half and Kara had all the wind and all the ball bouncing their ways and everything and they went into half time 10 points up it was 10 nil who was at Kara too wasn't it at Kara so yeah that was home support. we had a massive support crew over there ourselves which pretty much saved us but um I remember walking in half time and I said to Josh Rainbow, their captain, I said, that was more than a 10-point win, mate. He <laughs> sort of gave a little elbow on the ribs and he sort of half looked at me and sort of shrugged and sort of said, oh, I see how he's going. And I was right too, it was 12-point yeah. win. That, <laughs> that, that poor bastard, you've been beating him in grand finals for forever. He was yeah. untouchable that year, though, wasn't he? He got part of the year that year. He had a massive year, yeah, big pass. Yeah, he could play. But, um, yeah, we scored with Honey... I think it would have been two minutes to go on the clock and conversion from the sideline. Whole year we've had trouble with conversions and gave the board a willy and he goes, no, nah, it's all good. And I'm just going, all right, if you say, if you say so. <laughs> I remember watching that. As soon as it's left his foot, he started fist pumping and the ball was nowhere near the post and I'm just watching it and the whole crowd behind it still gives me tingles today, yeah. just watching them go up and willy go up. and. We had a minute and a half to run out in the clock and as soon as that final siren gone, everything's gone mad. People on the field and the first year as a captain coach you sort of dream of making it to the final but to take it out was just unreal. And then you got to do it again twelve months later. <laughs> yeah, I remember leading up to the second one and they were burst and mudgy and they were pretty confident. And the news was asking about the year before and I said, Yeah well Two points wasn't real good. If you're going to win a grand final, you want to win it by more than that so you can enjoy it a bit. Yeah. The second year, we won it by one point. So <laughs> <laughs> there was much enjoyment in that either. It was a controversial game, that one, wasn't it? Oh, the ref, well, yeah. Depends yeah. who you believe and why. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of a lot of things come out of that game. Mudgy still haven't forgotten it. They still remind us about it every time that it was their game. and. I just look back at the trophy and it's still got our well, hands engra so engraved <laughs> into that trophy. So uh, that was another thing. I come down to extra time as well. You had blokes like Brent Seeger playing 90 minutes in the grand final, front rower, 
just nothing it up whenever you need him to. And you look at him and he's had his second hit up for a set after making four tackles a set before, and you're just drained and just want to drop dead on the field. Yeah. And everyone's just finding their feet to go that extra bit further. So come to extra time and we put a field goal over in the first half of that extra time. And that was the longest five minutes <laughs> half of that second half of the extra time ever. We we're just watching that clock tick down. But lucky to come away with it. And yeah, she was a fair celebration after that one too. <laughs> I was about to say that. You said the Penrith Panthers celebrations were big, but there's a few boys, the Betsers, I'd say, would have been right up there. They don't know how to party. You would have had a, a good party there. Yeah, well, both of you, our bus trip home from Cowra was pretty loose and we had a massive party that night. And, the one after Mudgy, we sort of took the bus up to the club, got kicked out of there, and she was, <laughs> <laughs> she was all over town for a fair while. So, um, no, that's the thing with footy, you take one with the other, you get a lot of celebrations out of it and good times, but it's a lot of hard work that goes into it as well. Yeah. So, what's your goals um, going forward, both footy wise and the horses? Where were the next 12 months? Where will you see yourself? Uh, Footy-wise, last year was, I was actually talking about probably wrapping up the coaching side of things. It's just getting way too busy out in the farm and um, just big days, big nights. With COVID hit, not much else was going on. And this year come around and us as a club hadn't really sort of sought too much after it. And I just said, well, I'll go again this year, but I'll probably end up grooming someone. It's mm. not... Who knows if we win again this year, they'll probably twist my arm again next year. <laughs> it's just taking a year at a time with footy. Um, hopefully have another big year again this year and we've got the team to do it, so hopefully we can go close. And then horse-wise, it's, it's taken every day at a time with that. You've got the biggest team we've ever had out there at the moment. We've got new stables, we've got horses everywhere. And as I said, they're big days, but they're pretty rewarding once you see yeah. all these two-year-olds starting to hit the track. and. Got gold crown happening now, so it's going to be even busier for a while. But um, hopefully, with the bit of success that we've been having lately with our stable and outside stables, picking up a few drives, and I'm sort of half focusing a bit more on that at the moment than the footy. But as soon as it kicks off, I'd say it'd be 50 50. Yeah, like from the outside looking, I always thought it'd be a good life being in the horses, but. It'd be terrible. You you got like say Canberra on Monday, there's races on Tuesday, Bathurst Wednesday, Penrith Thursday, you're up to Parks, Dubbo, and then you gotta throw footy two nights of footy training in that and then playing footy like at the moment it is pretty full on, like as I said there's And then you gotta work at six thirty the next morning. <laughs> so over fifty fifty horses out there at the moment. So you get there on Monday and they're usually pretty big days because you've got Bathurst Trots Wednesday, so a lot of them horses work on Monday. Then you've got the trials Monday night. Yeah. Then yeah, whatever time they finish you up, right and early back out there before six, Tuesday, and you've got footy training Tuesday night. Then Wednesday is your big day, you've got Trots, and they go all night at Bathurst. And then, yep, right and early Thursday, you got footy training Thursday night. And then Friday, you usually got either young, or it might be your night off if you get one. Saturday we've got Menangle. Um, Sunday you usually got double or parks. If not, when footy rolls around, you're playing footy and then you're straight back into Monday. So at the moment, she's pretty full on. If you ask Case, I'm 
hardly ever here. She's got probably getting on better than ever. <laughs> so, uh, and, and then and then you have a drink too, like you don't want. And then you go to work the next day. I'm out for a month after a big night. Yeah, me too. <laughs> the man across the bar, he's had a couple of drinks with us and come off a bit worse for wear. So I do my best. <laughs> Poor Perthil. Yeah. yeah. Still yeah. staying. <laughs> we won't get into that. Thanks, <laughs> topic. Ah, uh, very good. So we've we've got three uh, questions, and again, I'm that organised. I didn't give them to you beforehand. So <laughs> well, before we ask that, actually, I want to ask Doug, what's the best horse you've you've ever seen? Best horse I've ever seen. I not pale face, Joe. Uh, well, hey, 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 hey. Actually, actually, oh, we'll, man, actually, got... we'll get to that. But anyway, yeah. I used to love um, I used to love watching Smooth Satin grow up when I was a kid just knowing being family friends with the Turnbulls sort of being a part of that roller coasters they were winning races down Harrow Park and big races I loved Lazarus yeah. I used to love watching him race just a war machine so I'd probably nearly have to say Lazarus Lazarus uh, best horse you've you've driven the Mighty Mustang would he be, would he be up there he's definitely up there yeah. he's champ champ yeah. shout out to the real BK that's fair respect your mother nearly tore you and you one one day she thought you were yeah, the BK yeah. <laughs> uh, Kath apologise <laughs> uh, no we're all good he, he's a horse that I don't know he's, he's definitely not the best out there but yeah. the, the things how far he's come like He's just been through the chariots of fire. And yeah, tell us a bit about how he's acquired the horse, like how, how he's got him. He actually come from Melbourne Sale. He got passed in after a little bit of money for him and they didn't get it. Yep. And the bloke that bred him was in Burns here saying, we want, him, want you to train him because we're going to keep breeding from this mare and we want you to do a job with him so that makes the siblings and all the rest look good. So... Burns sort of put it off for a while and kept putting it off and putting it off and tried to get people down in Melbourne to go have a look at him and he just couldn't do it. And then he finally, Burn gave in and said, oh, send him up. He goes, right, I'll send him up. If you like him, look at him off the truck, you can give me five grand. Yep. Or you can break him in and see if you like him after that and then give me seven and a half. So he's pulled up off the truck and walked off and he was just a beautiful, well put together horse and paid the five grand straight up and... Yeah, the rest is history. He's in Chariots of Fire a couple of weeks ago and run his personal best time with 49.3. So yeah. I think he's, as a four-year-old, he's still got a lot of racing ahead yeah. and I think he's going to have a big future. Definitely. You've probably made five grand off him yourself. Oh, man, the Mustang boys. <laughs> don't worry about that. I'm, I'm, I'm a day one. Me, Casey Owen, Doug Hewitt. Burn you what I suppose. Can you tell us about the night... Uh, you were behind Jarula's Green. That's another big horse around from around here at the moment. You were steering were... rock fisherman. <laughs> I do remember it very well. I've pretty much I've landed in a perfect position. I've gone back off the arm thinking if I can punch through and get his back, I think I'll be right in this race. I had to run one two to qualify. Yeah. And I just thought Jace would just sit up and we'd just rattle home up the home straight and I wouldn't have to pull out or do nothing and we're heading down the back straight and I'd just lap full of horse left and I'm just thinking how good is this I'll give this horse a run here and I'm just sitting there waiting for him having a look and Jay started getting closer to the lead and I said don't go yet Jay you've got to cart me right to the home straight <laughs> and I sort of had a look back and Rockport Fisherman's a big horse so I sort of had a look back and a look where the rest of the field was and I turned back around and sure was getting put about four lengths on there <laughs> before I could even look up 
I've just gone, what happened here? He was just off and gone. Yeah. Never seen a horse with a turn of foot like that. That was just ridiculous. I ended up rolling to the top. Oh, against the horses from the inside straight after that and running on very gallant when you run yeah. second. I had you for a play, so I was happy. Bloody hell. <laughs> the fishermen have been good. The night that Jules Green put it to on like the way it did, that, yeah. was, that was very Freak. special. Oh, yeah. And uh, Doug, the 31st of May 2020, does that does that ring a bell with you at all? One of my favourite wins in harness racing history, Bill. In all seriousness, would that be up there with one of the, the finer moments in, in, in the... And actually is because, as I tell people all the time, you, you can win a big race for a person, like an owner or someone that sort of takes them in their stride and go, oh, yeah, that was good. Yeah. Or you can win races for blokes that take it above and beyond and just <laughs> live and love the sport the way that you do. And when you can do something like that and you see how much joy and stuff it does yeah. bring to different people in the game, it does make every win ten times better. So... It is probably one of my favourite wins driving the big sex down the outside at Bathurst. Just is it true that you thought you were you won by a length and you only just <laughs> just got there? Well, I did go off pretty early. <laughs> it, was, it was Yahoo and at the two hundred. <laughs> if you actually watched the replay, I knew exactly where Bill was standing at the parade ring, and I stopped driving. The, the usual horse. spot. Yeah, used to be lucky. lucky spot. Used to be lucky. <laughs> I, I stopped driving horse about forty out from the line. Just going, how good is this? We've done it. We've just created history. <laughs> Legacy. Legacy. <laughs> Legacy. It's all written. And I've looked up at Bill and half just gave him the biggest smile ever and just gone, how good's this? Not knowing that we hadn't even crossed the line yet and I fell in by half a head. <laughs> oh, shit. Right just, just, just a story of that, though. Like, working out there on the Saturday and we were just, we were actually mucking around telling everyone that he's not going to get beat. There's no he, way he, he can get, get beat. beat. And you come up with the quotes all week, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, okay. I was just... I was just high and light. You just couldn't lose. And just, I don't know, man, that's when you think about shit's meant to be. Like, you, you, you talked it in, is that what you said? I talked it into existence, I reckon. All right, we better get into these questions. Yep. We're on a time schedule here. Doug, your last hundred bucks, what would you spend it on? Oh, this would be good. Oh, last hundred bucks. <laughs> Probably a bit of bridge coin out <laughs> of purple bud. Nah. Oh, can we come back to it? Yeah, we'll come back to it. Um, your go-to hangover meal when you're just down and out. Uh, if you go out to purple shop on the way out, besides Colonel, of course, <laughs> KFC always up there. Um, written up on the board, there is a burger called the Dougie Burger, and it's just meat, cheese, bacon, meat, cheese, bacon, and barbecue sauce. <laughs> no lettuce? No, no, no salad, no, no nothing else, but just good grease going straight down the gullet. We might get a sponsorship from KF, because that's two weeks in a row. We probably won't get one, Oh, you just never know, Will. Hurtful shots more realistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the last one, a little bit more serious. Uh, what was something throughout either career that you thought at the time was a big failure? But looking back in hindsight, it was sort of a blessing where you, you learned something from it, took something from it. Um, probably my career in Sydney. I reckon first went down there, I doubted myself way too much and never sort of gave myself a chance of making the top sport. I always would have loved to. I think my highest goal was to try and crack 20s. Yeah when I probably should have been aiming a little bit higher. But at the time, 
it was right there for the taking. I could have been a lot more serious in it, and I was more worried about me mates thinking that I was a bit of a loser for taking it too serious. So I was more worried about having a good time with them and actually yeah. putting in the extra. And although I did give it a fair nudge and took out a 20s premiership down there, as you said, a lot of that comes from luck and running, like players going down and getting a call up at the right time, but just not taking it serious enough when I first went down there, I think. So that's something you've taken forward now? You, you give your best and everything? Well, definitely. Like in this game that we're in now, it's, it's very easy to go into a racing and there's 10 horses in it and you're driving probably the sixth best one where now you go into it thinking, well, if I put my horse in the best position, I'm a part of it. Yep. So going into anything in life, like, say, taking the Mustang down to the chariot to, well, it is 150 to one to get into the chariots and running under a race and come third. So you proved a lot of people wrong that it's night. Insane, isn't it? You go into the chariots and he's 150 to one that night to win the race and you, you, you punch it through and they're getting home at 26.5 or something. Him with um, <coughs> Jack Trainer's good mare was the only one's taking ground off and I know the horse at one was freakish but yeah. he's actually not far that far off and so yeah. if everyone's giving you 150 to one and you're proving them wrong, you, you're going above and beyond. So. Well, just a quick one there. There's probably, what, 408 for all this green. The Mustang's right up there around as the best horse around here, do you think? Mate might have it as well, Chuck yeah. Yeah, she's, she's, she's still there. Still there. Tommy Gregg, I don't know. You still, still got a lot of top-grade horses racing around here. Yeah. The hardest thing is Bathurst is one of the hardest places outside of an angle. You'd see yeah. a lot of Bathurst horses going around. Well, I need more money built for these races. I'm going to keep saying it. So, like you saw the other night, he was in that race, and uh, Aphorism, who's been down to an angle and proven how good it is, went super here the other night. But you've got all these good horses around here, but... Uh, in the long run, like he's a four-year-old, just turned four. Yeah. He's only just finding his feet. I think he's got unreal turn of speed, so he'll get stronger as time goes on. And I think he will be one of the better horses around here in years to come. Yeah. All right, we better wrap her up, boys. We're nearly on. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, nearly any on questions end. for us, Doug? That's something we like to ask <laughs> at, at, at the end. Yeah, well, um, one for you, Dave. New to the team this year, mate. How are you setting them in and what are your plans for the year with Bathurst? Um, Doug, I think it's great because I've been smashed by Brent Seager my whole career. <laughs> <laughs> that night I got knocked in the next week. So it's good. Yeah, it's unreal. You guys have obviously been the best team for the last few years, so... That's good to not play against you. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's great. Like all the boys are really, really good. So yeah, hopefully we win it. Um, Bill Kip, mate. Not long back, you've had your setbacks throughout your career. Yep. Um, you've had to put it all to sleep now. Yep. Enjoying being back and be, being back with all your young childhood mates and stuff like that. Or yeah, uh, no, it's been it's been different coming back. To be honest, I never thought I'd be living back in Oberon or around here. But no, it's been um, it's been a blessing. And um, I've, got a, I've got like you two to thank for that. Like Dave's been one of my best mates for a long time and helped me through a lot. And um, like I've always been mates with you, but I sort of like we were living in different places and that. But um, no, being back, hanging around you and that and getting me back into the horses, I'm, I'm, I'm loving life. I'd so. like to thank you too, Doug, because he comes out in public and has a drink now. He wouldn't do that after <laughs> a few years. Yeah, I might lock myself up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.